When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. So we're watching a really boring film from the 70s where almost nothing happens for the first hour. So who do you think picked this one, guys? <laughs> uh, so, Brian, I kind of already know the reason why you picked this. I'm going to lean into Gremlins 2. But how about you tell us why you picked Octoman? So, yeah, no, we saw Gremlins 2, and this was a scene from it. So I picked it, and like, dude... You're fucking stupid. I just have to say it. Like, like you, I almost feel like you're putting on a facade for this show because you love cheesy stuff. This is a 1950s sci-fi movie made in the 70s. Oh, this is 100% the entire plot line of Creature from the Black Lagoon beat well, by beat. Do you guys know why? Why? It's because it was written by the written and directed by the guy who wrote Creature from the Black Lagoon. One hundred percent makes sense because yeah. it is it is honestly like midway it's through the movie I'm like yeah I'm like this is just Creature from the Black Lagoon. But it's still like all right if they could I I was thinking the whole time like man if they could like you know have some sort of robotics in the dead arms oh my god that's the but that's the best part of the whole fucking movie and articulate his mouth like that's a cool monster no the the mouth being so stationary and just like a (laughs) movie actually adds a great deal of fun i i'm agreeing with scott i think the highlights of the movie are how shoddy everything about that costume is like there's this scene probably my favorite scene is that there's this weird flashback of the octoman attacking somebody and he just like dramatically swings his tentacle and slaps the guy in the face and then it's this close-up of like him missing pieces of flesh yeah and then it the just comes to him 
Yeah, but then it cuts to him on a hill, like giving like a victory yell. But like the guy's in this awkward eight arm suit, so he's just like flailing around like Kermit when he introduces the musical <laughs> guest that week. You know, me and Jay's favorite scene is what? when he uh, knocks over the table for no reason, like a pissed off teenager. Yeah, dude, yeah. this movie actually. Okay, so I was so mad at you for picking this, but then I was like, damn it. I'm falling in love. It's uh, fun. It so, is so slow and dumb, but it is really a crowd pleaser. So this might be one of the few times where having the DVD instead of watching it on streaming was detrimental because uh, I sent them, I sent both of Scott and Brian a video and I even posted it on my uh, Instagram, but that'll be long gone by the time this episode comes out that the audio sync for the first five minutes of this movie was like, a minute off. Yeah. So what's crazy is this movie was 1971. Mm-hmm. It was overall like a shitty budget movie. This has to be one of the best YouTube qualities Scott has ever put for this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, it's it because like... no one cares. They're <laughs> yeah. like, they, they, they care more about the rip than than the actual, the people that own it. Yeah, so like the audio was all muddy for mine. The picture was like all muddy. I was like, I can barely see a fucking thing. So I think that may have not helped my my viewing for show. Um, <laughs> but I will say that technically this movie was profitable, guys. What do you how mean? much? Well, how much did it cost to make? So That's it cost two hundred and fifty thousand to make. Okay, and its worldwide gross was 280,000. So it made 30,000 extra dollars. Listen, I could use $30,000. <laughs> yeah, no, I ain't shitting on $30,000, but yeah, it, it was it was I mean, I don't know if that's even really considered a hit, but it it was a hit. Um I will tell you, we're talking about the Octoman. But my first love in this movie is just the shitty octopus puppet oh, yeah. crawling back into the water. <laughs> I love that shit. It's amazing. Just being drug on a fish wire. It was so fun. It's so bad. It just wiggles its way down to the water. But like this movie could have been bad like to me. Like if it was we don't care, we're making a bad movie. But I, I felt such an endearing side to this movie. Like, so like people were taking it seriously. Maybe not the director and maybe not the writers. So but... I think that the director took it the most seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Rick Baker was just like, ah, Rick, this was Rick Baker's first film. I think that he was like, I think I know how to use latex. And it, it's so <laughs> great because the guy that did the fucking transformation in American Werewolf in London started with this. I know. Like, Never give up on your dreams. Yeah. I, I wonder if though... Like, I think that Rick Baker had a dream and I think they called him up and was like, hey, we want to give you a shot. So you're going to make the Octoman. And he's like, all right, great. And they're like, we can give you about twenty five dollars and a hot meal. What can you do for it? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> like, and that's um, when he realized what Hollywood was like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so. I will say that there is one part in this movie that I find very unforgivably boring. And again, it could just be that the transfer that I was watching was all types of fucked up. But is there like 10 minutes where people are just crawling through a tunnel in yeah. silence towards the end? Yeah, yeah, I could have done without that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was definitely to get this movie to an hour and 10. 
Well, so uh, as much as I enjoyed this watch, I w- I'm I'm under no illusion that it's a bad movie and that it's it's like kind of brutal to watch if you're used to watching either something that's more fast paced or you're used to watching something like this in a group, which I know you are, but Matt, but for me, I watch bad movies alone almost exclusively. So <laughs> the the watch of this was fine. I only fast forwarded a little bit when they were crawling through the um, cave because I was just like over it. Yeah. Because like so the, shit, the shit where the Octoman isn't involved, I really couldn't care less. Yeah. Although that, that long, the best part about them crawling through that cave is that it gives us my favorite appearance of the Octoman, which is just exploding out of a trailer. Yeah. Um, which is the clip that's <laughs> which, using Gremlins. Too. Yeah, that was the yeah. Gremlin scene. It's weird. So I don't know why, but I have this really like extreme love for 60s and early 70s horror. So even if they're boring, just visually, I, I love them, and I, and I don't know why. It's not nostalgia, because growing up, I mean, you were there growing up. It was yeah, we, really we, 80s and 90s. It was uh, 80s, hard. 90s, and 50s, like with yeah. Grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, not this era, you know? It's just, like, so visually pleasing to me. Um, the bright red blood, I love. Like, if I see blood that almost looks pink, I am enjoying the movie that I'm watching. Okay, I that's do, not true. I do love that. That is not true. <laughs> Because the, the was it the first movie that you did as a full ho- co-host was uh, the play hospital. Oh no no yeah fuck you for yeah that. can of red can <laughs> of red in the uh, and and you were criticizing it that wasn't well, pink, he was, though he was criticizing that no one questioned what a can of red was uh, yeah okay. yeah yeah I wasn't <laughs> attacking the blood itself it was just that it was a can of it <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like that's not blood that's a can of red and everyone was like oh got it story checks out there's the can of red right over there if you want to actually listen to that that's in hospital massacre slash x-ray that's our discussion on that yeah go uh you know if by now i can say this for sure but uh check out hmnpodcast.com i've been slaving endlessly to make it even more fun to be on and that includes at the bottom of every episode, recommended uh, listens of other episodes that we did in a similar vein. And maybe I'll put Hospital Massacre at the bottom of this one <laughs> for Can of Red. Movies <laughs> with cans of red. <laughs> We're up to two, guys. <laughs> uh, no, I probably won't do that. But uh, yeah, this movie is kind of slow, um, but I won't lie that it, it. But you know what? This is one of those movies. And I, I don't think they ever did it on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but I think for sure they did it Rift as tracks. a Rift Tracks. Yeah, they did. And maybe even fairly recently they did it as a Rift Tracks. And I feel like that might be the, like, there's certain movies from that time period, Brian. I think that might be where the nostalgia comes from, is like Mystery Science Theater 3000 was all about these bad 60s and 70s movies. Yeah, and and, you know... There, I felt like there was a point in time, just like when Comedy Central uh, only worried about like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then we're like, oh, we'll just throw Mad TV on in every other hour of the day. I feel yeah. like that's what the Sci-Fi Channel was with Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was like 16 hours of Mystery Science Theater 3000 every 24 <laughs> hours. 
you except know that... for except for Thanksgiving when it was the Twilight Zone marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that actually explains a lot of why I don't really like Mystery Science Three. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, I, I wasn't about it. to redo it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think it's because so much of that people having the nostalgia for it and everything like that. One, I didn't have cable growing up. I had to watch it at my grandparents' house. But uh, two, I I feel like I was so inundated with it. Like, hey, you're going to like this thing that I was just like, no, yeah. no, I'm not. See, yeah. and I found it the perfect way to find it, which was that like – my parents had people over and it was getting late, but we were all like still kind of awake and we were, it was around Christmas time and we were just flipping through the channels and I guess sci-fi was playing the Santa conquers the Martians episode. And my dad was like, Oh my God, I remember seeing this movie at the drive-in. So we like just were watching it and we were dying because we had never seen anything like it before. And it was like this thing that we found but I feel like oh, yeah. it being forced upon you definitely changes it because it's not rewatching it. Like the jokes aren't that funny. It's very like it's very Marx Brothers vaudeville. Like, yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah I, I won't watch it. I can't Me and Jay, not to get completely off topic, but me and Jay were flipping through the channels and whose line is it anyway was on. And I was like, oh, man, I love this show growing up. I don't think my face could have been straighter watching that show. <laughs> we turned it off like within 10 minutes. We're like, this is painfully unfunny. And we used to be like, whose line is it anyway is on everyone. Yeah. Suckle on the, over on the television. It's yeah. Like, I was going to say, but, put your phones down, but we didn't have them back then. <laughs> yeah. Hang up the phone, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, but it's it, it's funny the stuff that actually does carry through, and then there's the stuff that's just like, eh, it's probably better left just in nostalgia. And like, yeah. I'm not saying that I don't, I still will watch some episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and get a chuckle out of it, but it's definitely like grandpa humor. Like the mm -hmm. whole show is grandpa humor, which you know I personally love, but I get why people who are just watching it because everyone's told them it's great is like, what the fuck is this? Because it is again grandpa humor <laughs> yeah but, uh anyway octoman uh <laughs> well i have a can we talk about two things one um the so we were talking about how octoman after he defeats someone he like flails his two <laughs> arms around yeah uh, and all i could see when he was doing that was in um toxic avenger that's exactly what i was thinking of the toxic <laughs> avenger victory pump yep yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all i could think about this whole movie uh i hope that that wasn't anybody's double feature because you know that's i guess you could still do it but you sound like a schmuck there's still uh, the other options yeah i got a couple don't yeah. you worry. I, I, I was I, thinking I, Toxic Avenger 2, 3, and Citizen Talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Calm yeah, down, I, James Gunn. <laughs> the, the one note that I have is that they captured the Oc Octoman in one of the most unimpressive fire circles I've oh ever God. seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, in any other movie, those flames would be, like, up to your head, and they're, like, at most up to your ankle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's like, no, the Octoman's all like freaking out because the, there's a, you know, a fire circle that he could easily just hop over. Yeah. Someone dropped a match. <laughs> like, what shall I do? I was it, uh, 
getting ready it's to a... criticize it for not having enough limbs. Because I'm like, this this thing's only got six limbs. And then I just <laughs> happen to notice in that scene the two taped to the back of his legs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the I love how they I, and I don't know if it's a joke or not, but there's a part where it just shows the Octoman's feet as he's walking. And I'm like, it's just his shoes. <laughs> they just did a really shitty job on this guy's boots. And then they, they're just having him walk through the muck. And I'm uh, thinking, man. Uh, the whole so, costume does not blend well. You can no. just tell where every piece is put together. Yeah. <laughs> from like the legs going straight through the hips. I mean, at certain points, you can tell where Rick Baker ran out of paint and had to buy a new can. <laughs> like, uh, this is this movie was perfect for like, you know. So, so I usually will do a giant like kill montage that I play at Halloween parties. Haven't been able to do it this year, so instead I built a YouTube playlist and like clips from Octoman are perfect to just scatter into that playlist because it's. You know, you just need like maybe two minutes and people are like, what the fuck is on this screen right now? <laughs> yeah. It is. It is uh, something special. Oh, and uh, there's one thing that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. And it's the fact that apparently octopi um, <clears throat> have insect eyes. Like, yeah, I love the way that it looks when they're like showing what the Octoman sees. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just the fly. It's. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally just the Vincent Price fly effect. Oh man, it's so shoddy, and I love it. But uh, you know, this would—I'm giving him shit because he's my brother, and because he failed to watch a few other things. A few, but one other. Okay, thing. all right. Good. Um, I got nervous. <laughs> but uh, you know, this is this is uh, a little bit higher on the spectrum of quality picks. Yeah, no, I'm bad at picking movies. I know that. And that's why yeah, I got oh. so ready to defend this one. Because this was like, I mean, we had The Plague. We had Killjoy. Like, I did those. Those oh, we got me. some. We got something else coming up that I, I'm still oh, giving God. you the chance to swap that out for yeah, literally I, anything else. I, you know, so for the listener, Brian usually watches what we were about to talk about directly before we talk about it. He has no... Uh, ability to plan <laughs> and so um, I on the other hand usually will watch things weeks in advance and take my notes and then I just use notes to to keep myself keep my mind on what I was thinking while I was watching it, it um, I think that I am going to do what Brian normally does with that and just procrastinate until the very last second so it, just in the, the, the vain hope that he will change his mind and look i've i've just said this before like there's a lot of movies that he comes in hot with defending but he won't pick them to put his money where his mouth is because he's would rather just be like i don't know i saw 30 seconds of octoman let's give that a shot Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. But that is Octoman. Uh, you guys have your double features for this bad boy. Oh, hell yes. Okay, let's hear it, Scott. No, it's Brian. Oh, Brian, sorry, Brian. Let's hear it, Brian. Um, but, but, but I would pair this with the, hmm, the day of the Triffids. All right. That would fair. be a rough watch for me. I would be, <laughs> I mean, oof. That was the first time I've utilized a poster in my room to pick my double feature. <laughs> P. Tear. Griffin. All right, Scott, you go, because there ain't no way you're taking mine. Uh, I'm going to do Return of the Swamp Thing. Okay. Oh, that's on Prime for free. I was thinking about watching it, but I haven't seen Swamp Thing, so I don't oh, know. Oh, you're not missing anything by watching Swamp Thing. Um, it's a Wes Craven film, and it's pretty stupid in my opinion. Um, but Return of the Swamp Thing really is... <sighs> It's, it's been okay. an almost pick for you multiple it's times. It's still too. probably in my my top ten, like or my mo- my my hot list, you know, on Trello. But yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a little too goofy for. Well, that's ridiculous to even say. Um, yeah, what are you talking about? I don't know, man. You I just got... want man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't my choice. That was Brian's. <laughs> So, Brian, what he's saying is steal his pick of Return to Swamp Thing. Yeah, maybe Return to Swamp Thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go back to him. Um, all maybe right, I so never my, left. <laughs> so my double feature is that I sat through a 75-minute long movie that felt like two hours. So now it's time to sit through a three-hour movie that feels like five hours. And that's going to be... The made-for-TV movie The Beast, based on the Peter Benchley book, starring Craig T. Nelson, about a giant killer squid that reenacts the entire plotline of Jaws. Oh, I think we have that. I think we have that on uh, cassette. Record it. Oh, we certainly do. And I also have the double-disc DVD that came out of it as well. Why? Because, Scott, nostalgia has way too much control over my decisions sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you guys, neither of you guys do drugs anymore. Um, and Matt has probably never touched anything harder than fucking, you know, aspirin in his <laughs> NyQuil. No, NyQuil is only, that's too scary for, for Matt. No, I've taken um, NyQuil before. I'm a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because Matt has an addictive personality just like brian it's it's a it's a kelly problem and the the matt's way of dealing with it is by buying dvds it's his drug of choice oh it's my drug of choice and it has been for a long time and they're going to kill me in my sleep one of these days (laughs) but it'll be worth it they'll say that i died how i lived (laughs) buried under (laughs) watching shitty fucking movies (laughs) 
He's he was killed by his box set of the Carnosaur films. <laughs> okay, now that sounds like the way that I would go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what is something that you watched uh, that you want to talk about, Scott? I'm going to ask you to go first because I know Brian and I both watched the same thing, so I want to be able to bounce off of each other a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, I watched The Tingler in uh, an actual theater. Ooh, did it have so, the, sh- the shocky seats? Sadly, no. Um, I got to introduce it too, which was really fun. Um, oh and shit! I, so I well, it was only it's a small, it's like an art house theater that I love called the Nightlight here in Akron. And yeah, you've said that you wanted us to do a live show there one of these days. Yeah, it, well, probably 2020 if you're free sometime yeah. in October to come out and visit. Um, I wouldn't ask Brian to because Brian hates us, but uh, <laughs> we it's could. True. <laughs> we could uh, totally host a uh, a horror movie night panel and um, watch party there uh, because they're Woo. they're great. But anyway, um, I got to introduce the film and it was sold out, which was amazing to me. That I think that it's a fifty seat theater. It's not huge, but um, th- there were you know fifty people in Akron that wanted to come out on a Friday night in um, October and see the Tingler, and that just made me very happy. And uh, so it's it's so cool to see it on the big screen because it's just one of those movies that in your in the back of your head you never think. Oh, I'm gonna get to see like a 4K restoration on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like ah, yeah, I'm just gonna watch a ca- casually watch the Tangler today. Uh, so I think that that's really dope uh, for starters. But I watched um, the third season of Big Mouth, and it was really fucking good. Uh, I can really like that show. Can you explain to me what that show is? Because I know that you two love it. It so is big, uh, yeah, Pen Fifteen it, as a cartoon, virtually, big. but instead of following, instead of focusing on like women going through puberty, it is literally oh, you every mean, kid. Did you say thirteen? Pen Fifteen. Oh, Pen Fifteen. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like that, but more like more ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like more more ridiculous. It really plays into it's. It feels so much like a '90s cartoon where like every thing can talk you know (laughs) like bugs can talk pillows can talk like it's it's very it's very insane but it's like the best way to describe it is that i think it's one of the most genuine depictions of going through puberty i've ever seen um especially from like a male perspective because the way that it's designed is that when you hit puberty you're assigned a hormone monster and the hormone monster basically speaks in like you know they'll just be like random scenes where they'll be sitting there in bed and all of a sudden the hormone monster will just be like yo you gotta go jerk it right now (laughs) and it's like and just like that representation of like that insane like sexual craving that kicks in as soon as you hit puberty and but no it's really it's really fucking funny uh there's like one or two episodes that i felt like didn't really need to be there uh the episode about duke ellington particularly oh, I thought it like, was so funny it was funny but like for a serialized show it really does just take a complete pause from everything that was happening storyline wise the florida episode was absolutely oh, perfect the florida episode is amazing <laughs> check it out scott 
I don't want us to to ruin it. You should check it out. It's really dumb, but you'll like it. It's almost like <laughs> it's it's almost like South Park, but versus puberty. I guess I would say, like you know how South Park will just have a ridiculous episode, and it makes no sense. And at the end, it was like, holy shit! As insane as that was, that was extremely relatable. That's how Big Mouth is. Yeah, um, I will say that I'll, I've talked to a few people who like the first like one or two episodes they were just like i can't get into this this is just kind of like filthy for the sake of being filthy uh but as you keep watching it you're like no actually this is really doing a great job of summing up exactly what it's like to be a 13 year old boy going through puberty for the first time yeah and um, the, then the dads are the funniest and the, the more dad- you watch the more airtime <laughs> they get Definitely worth checking out. Brian, do you have something else that you want to call out or was you just going to use Big Mouth as well? No, I was going to use Toy Story 4. I watched Toy Story 4 and I can't pitch it enough for one reason why anyone who has the same sense of humor we do should watch it is there is a new character introduced and his name is Forky and he is voiced by the guy who plays Buster Bluth and the guy (laughs) just chose to be Buster Bluth, this entire character. <laughs> so it's watching Buster as a toy, and it is so fucking good. It's so good. Oh, yeah, he steals the show. He's yeah. getting his own show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be like a five-minute show called Ask Forky, where every day he has a different thing that confuses him in, in, in a, a Bonnie's bedroom, and the toys have to try to explain it to him. <laughs> there's a bird mother it walked on my pillow <laughs> oh buster well if you want more of this hilarity i gotta tell you guys you should just walk on down to the patreon.com backslash hmn podcast where there will be some type of bonus episode that is like a companion piece to this one i don't know what it'll be i have written down killer animal talk but i think we already did that so i don't know favorite octopuses check it out (laughs) (laughs) iconic octopi will be the uh bonus episode to octoman uh but no seriously uh thank you guys always for listening and we will be back with another episode next week boom I can't do the finger guns. I lost the skill to do the voice. (laughs) Also, while this is still recording, big shout out to our listener, Tom, who when I wrote a self-deprecating thing about being the least favorite host, he responded, you're tied with Scott as my favorite. So (laughs) fuck you, Brian. (laughs) Tom, what does he know? Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.